Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. This episode is a bit not safe for work. Or kids. Listener discretion advised. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Old World Lives, a Warhammer podcast. Today we are discussing on which book of uh, in the Dune series is the best filmatization version. No, I'm just uh, kidding and I'm just uh, stumbling over my words. With me tonight I have Niklas. Hello. Slightly annoyed at the endless uh, sidetracking before we record. Here I am. Yeah, and uh, the one that's leading most of the sidetracking, Krell. Hey. I mean, to be fair, Nicholas, we've known each other for like the better part of half a decade. If you're only getting annoyed with sidetracking around now, I think that's very patient of you. I don't mind sidetracking in the episodes. Just uh, like I literally said to these guys, like, okay, let's <laughs> stop wasting time. Let's start recording. And like, oh, which dune you think has the best uh, pointless nudity? Well, I mean, there's, there's no discussion to be had. Obviously, the sci-fi series, because <laughs> it's the only one who has nudity. However, the other one has a semi-nude sting, Chris. I mean, how do you grade that? I'm just going to say I am the whirlwind and run around in the desert for two, <laughs> two episodes and do nothing else. My word is a, my name is a killing weapon. Yeah. yeah so uh, we are a fantasy podcast and not a Dune podcast. And technically, uh, um, it is space fantasy. <laughs> it is space fantasy. It is fantasy. How embarrassing for you! So uh, this is, uh, as you might have alluded to, what we're discussing so far. This is pretty <laughs> much our jubilee for uh, how many years we've now been on <laughs> here. It's been since 2018. <laughs> I can't do math anymore. <laughs> yeah, 2018 was the first uh, episode we published, and uh, this is our small little um, anniversary episode. I thought we should. Uh, actually put something out this year to celebrate what we've been doing so i mean honestly we're just keeping on brand rambling sidetracking is how we started and like i feel i'll be there for the end to nicholas whispering to his paint so he has to dry up around him and just sidetrack him about stuff sounds about right yeah you're trying to shoot a zombie in the head, and I'm like, well, actually, if you give it due consideration, Fade Rath is actually the hero of... That's how I die, talking about Dune to people who don't care. So, yeah, four years. Uh, I think been... I've been here for two of them. Yeah, <laughs> what have you guys been doing the other much. two years? Have we... I think uh, I think I've been on all episodes except for one or two. Or maybe I was in, at least in the intros. Mm, not sure. As long as you don't fact check it, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I was on those episodes. <laughs> Statistically, you were. I reckon. <laughs> I'm basically as a soundboard connected to like a hollow skull full of eldritch energy at this point. And note, we did invite the rest of the podcast, but they had better things to do. <laughs> They were pretty much all on board until it was like, oh yeah, and Krell is coming. Like, well, I kind of need to pull the potatoes and like and water walk the, the turnips. Potatoes, walk the dogs. Do you have any dogs? No, but I'm going to walk some dogs. <laughs> so he, he'd rather just kidnap some like mangy stray than have the off chance <laughs> possibility of discussing fancy with me. Again, on brand. I um, I feel like, like we, we started out and we had uh, five members, and then we thought, like, oh, that's great, because then we can record at any time, because there's always be someone <laughs> able to record. Uh, but it kind of ended up with me and Chris going, like, oh, yeah, we should record, and we should have someone else on, so it's not just the two of us. And then eventually we just, like, no one else is yep. coming. Let's just record. 
So what we need for the next uh, couple of years is more people. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Just a, a constant rotation yeah. of like uh, interns. And then they're like, well, yeah. can I stay on permanently? No. no I, sorry. Oh, the, the Swedish Arbetsplatz model. Yeah, oh, could I get like a permanent seat in the podcast? No, sorry. We don't really have permanent members anymore. We have temporary. Yeah, we got very We got six months of prevoanställning. Uh, yeah, uh, test employment. I just got to say that like during these four years, uh, even though I've been <laughs> noticeably absent during the last couple, I'll never forget the special place I have in my heart uh, for the one we recorded with Thomas Piernan. Yeah. He's such a stand-up guy. We have more than one. Uh, yeah, but I was only on the one, so you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's your fault. Oh yeah, well, yeah. It's not. I mean, I should probably make it super clear to listeners. It's not like it's I'm not it's invited. Lost. It's not like I'm excluded. I, I get fervently invi- invited to every session we have. Yep. It's just that. Uh, but but usually your, your we... kids half the time are like either possessed or like leaking out of every orifice or just some something is going on. Yeah. You have made some valid uh, points of them being nerdlings and not kids. Yeah, and I mean, or, or I have work, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. It's the plague of doing stuff. And like the other podcasts I'm on for some reason. Yeah. yeah. At least there's so, one Chris on that podcast these days. So, hobby-wise, Chris, what have you been up to? Painting and building a Spartan from the Age of Darkness or a Cersei box. That's pretty cool. I have a and, feeling that, like, we, we talked about this last episode, and then you said, like, you have a fantasy thing in front of you, and then you have a Spartan. And uh, you want to do this fantasy thing, but Spartan was pulling you. Well, as I'm sitting right now on my desk, the Spartan is between me and the dragon. (laughs) I mean, you must must answer these three riddles of the Spartan. (laughs) These questions free before you pass by me. Yeah, but they have magnetized the top hatch on the Spartan to take on all of the weapons from the kit. So, like, maybe maybe how do work? Magnets. Maybe they we should mag- have some context for people who are like solely into fancy and listen to us for fancy reasons. The Spartan kit was only available if very hard to work with super heavy, dense resin from Forge World for like the better part of eight years. And now it's been out in plastic. So everybody who ever had to work in it is like doing a hate fuck build of the new Spartan. Because yeah, it's I so, so gratifying working plastic. This one is way, more, way easier to build than the old one I worked on. I did never never did the first one with the tracks molded on. I think it was. Oh yeah, that's like the first version. That yeah. was the worst. Yeah, one. I never worked with that one, but I worked with the second one with the separate tracks, and it still was. Uh, it's a challenge. Some of those resin kits where they don't line up properly. This is gonna sound like a weird question, but it's like, is it like super nice to put together? Because I put together some new adapted Titanica stuff, and it's like nice. Do you need like some candles and a nice wine to talk about this Spartan kit? Because I love your, I know you're a major Fredhead, Nicholas. Like you love tanks. Uh, I've been kind of put away having a Spartan for a while. I I have it it's next to me. It's still in spruce. Like I don't feel an urge to put it together really. Um, it's a fairly anyway. nice kit. It goes together. There's if you're an experience in plastic with you know plastic kits, you're it's an easy build. Um, if you uh, build some uh, more advanced uh, like uh, scale models, it's a really easy build. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, an easy kit. It's uh, not as uh, easy to build as the uh, Contemptor, mm. which just is made for magnets, which is lovely. I gotta say though, Chris, you're pretty humble with stuff like that. But the amount of attention and detail you're putting to like the insider's pardon, 
like the interior, the hall, the lighting, the panel work. I know you described it as ice, easy stippling, but it's really nice. And I mean, to everybody who doesn't play uh, anything except for fantasy, <laughs> I know a lot of people have, have an intermittently. This is stuff that nobody will ever see because when he builds together that tank, it's going to be like watching for a peephole and people are going to have to see all the amazing details that they had through that peephole. Yeah. It's not as good as uh, some people I know that's made uh, like LED lighting inside of it, but that just feels a bit much and I really regret not doing it. Hmm. And I, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I, I went by Chris's place. This might be part of my hobby progress later, but uh, I went past his place and like saw his stuff in real life and they're even better than the pictures. How that now imagine. is possible. It's uh, I saw that the uh, dragon statue you made, and it's fucking incredible. Like, I saw pictures, and it looked great, but in real life, it was even better. Fun fact: I, I think uh, yeah, how I painted the white stone on that statue is exactly the same technique. Oh, sorry, <clears throat> I have some nice elk sausage uh, chorizo thing, and I almost choked on it, which is lovely. But the inside, out our the, listener base. <laughs> the inside of so sweet. <laughs> Yeah, fucking sweet, fucking yeah. Swedes and uh, elk chorizo. Why not? It's delicious. But uh, the 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 technique I used for the white stone part on that dragon statue is the same technique I used on the inside of this tank. I think Nicholas about. made a cogent point when I met him last year for like uh, Age of Darkness event, and he said he looked at my Empress children and was like, "Wait, these actually look really good in the real life." And I'm like, "What do you mean with that?" It's like, well, in the pictures you take, they do look kind of dog shit. And I think a lot of hobbyists, myself included, will put hours into painting something, hours into converting something, and then we'll just snap shitty pictures with our cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually like a desktop uh, hobby desk uh, snapshot oh, yeah. against a green painting mat or something. It's just use- yeah. useless. But I think this uh, kit uh, will come with like an exchangeable front in the uh, real plastic kit for the Thunder or something like that. Um, I wonder, should we go over to like Nicholas hobby stuff? I don't mean to interrupt you, Chris. No, I've actually done some uh, hobby stuff uh, in fantasy. Oh, sorry. I am working on, as I mentioned before, I'm going to do the bat thing for uh, my undead. And I'm still working on that one uh, with uh, Vargsgur and uh, Loka Y Vampire. And I might even have some hobby progress uh, photos on that uh, when this episode is released. Cool. Now you've said it and nobody lies on the internet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but other than that, spoken, so it shall be. Yeah, other than that, it's still the same progress as uh, the last episode, so not much. Uh, so, Nicholas, as Krell uh, mentioned, you dark elves, dark elves, and dark elves, and creatures, dark elves riding on them or whipping them. Sophia, <laughs> Pr- pretty much. Um, so, what have I done since last time? I think I, I painted the, the Manticore. Uh, I had a tournament which we talked about last episode. Which I didn't have time to paint everything for. But then after that, I immediately painted the Manticore and the Rider. Um, which is a really cool model. It's the Raging Heroes Manticore with a, a classic Beastmaster that I just uh, swapped the weapon and put a, a Cold One Knight head on. Uh, pretty happy with that. Uh, and then I painted the Hydra as well in a couple of days. Uh, so <clears throat> we had this challenge, and it's the first time I actually completed uh, an Overlives challenge. Um, to paint a large target. So I painted a Manticore, and then uh, when we had like two or three days left, I started painting the Hydra and finished the Hydra. So I did a, a double whammy for our challenge. 
So that was nice. Definitely. Hydro was Hydro was uh, nice to paint. Mostly just like dry brushing, like just gray and dry brushing and some washes. Uh, nothing too fancy, but uh, yeah, I like it. I like the model. And uh, now I started painting uh, uh, my sorceress on a dark Pegasus, which I basically finished tonight. I started painting it yesterday. Um, just doing the base now. And after that, I've got 10 uh, harpies to paint. And then nice. after that, I also ordered some uh, dark, more dark riders online. Um, to since they're core for dark elves, um, I thought I could use them as a, more of a mainstay unit and to have infantry if I wanted to have like a more mobile list. Um, so I have enough now. I think I have like twenty five, so I can do like two big close combat units and a shooty unit, or spread them out for more shooty units. So I'll have some more options. Um, so I feel like with my Dark Elves, I'm just like accruing stuff because there's so many ways to play them that it's kind of hard not to buy more stuff to like be able to play them in a different way. Uh, but I think I need to stop now because I will never be able to play like all the combinations of the stuff that I even have now. But uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying this project. Yeah. And it's, uh, as you said, it's good to have a bit uh, more options in the playstyle unless you just get stuck playing the same five units all, all, all the time. Yeah. I kind of wish that I started 6th edition again with Dark Elves because uh, it takes a while to learn how to play them, I think. And there's a lot of possibilities. So it will, it will be a yeah. pretty time-consuming army to play. Have you thought about getting a second uh, chariot? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, but that is a good point that I told you earlier, listeners, that I went past Chris's place and that was to pick up uh, a chariot. Um, so I actually... A really one-on-one after the tournament because I faced some chaos chariots and they were really good. And uh, like I got a tip from another Dark Elf player that chariots are pretty good. Uh, and then I remember you told me that you had one laying around, and I was yep. driving kind of past where you live. Small <laughs> detour on my five-hour drive, anyway. That—that's the most like fantasy-addicted phrase I've ever heard. Uh, hey, I was sort of like in the neighborhood. I was only like five hours <laughs> away with a quick car going 220 kilometers an hour. Hey, uh, scratches his neck intensely. <laughs> Didn't you like um, have a dark elf chariot? Nicholas, please. It's five in the morning. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Give me the stuff, nerd. And just threw a, threw a fist of wads, uh, wadfuls of money at him. Nick and Chris was like, "Yeah, okay, sure, fine." Jeez. Yeah, I reinvested the money I got from that chariot into uh, heavy weapons for my Imperial Fists. Yeah, like I can attest to the efficiency of chariots because in, in my hobby progress, I actually played a game. So that one of those chariots was like the bane of my fucking existence for two turns. I love that you actually played the game. <laughs> Just playing yeah. it like that. Well, I mean, you, if anyone, can agree to that statement, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, no, I think whoever listens to this will not doubt the passion of anyone in the podcast. But some of us play the game a bit more often than some other of us. And some of us have a real difficulty getting in games. Me, because I'm horrible at time management and keeping my commitments. And Chris, because he lives in fucking Mordor. Yeah, Mordor with much. nicer forests and like chorizo made of elks. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you also saw my dinner tonight, so you know what I had. So that was from the same place with the. So, but that's not what we're going to talk about. Um, uh, I'm thinking just, that, I, yeah. I just want to finish my hobby press real quickly by saying that I finished uh, a Total War campaign, Total War Two, with Dark Elves. Nice. And that's impossible. Rad. You can't finish a campaign in Total War Two. Then I would have done it over my 98 hours. Stop lying. You 98. Only 98 hours? That's rookie numbers. Well, actually, I don't know. I could tell you in real time what I got. I don't even own Total yeah. War Three. You need to pump those numbers. <laughs> Those are rookie numbers. Total War Warhammer uh, which, 2. Which, uh, oh, yeah, 121.3 hours. 
cute. <laughs> Nicholas, I was playing Total War before you were born. Don't make me do this. <laughs> I have uh, 16.6 hours of Total War Empire this week. Yeah, it's so <laughs> hard to go back to Empire after you've played Napoleon. No, it's better. It's so much better. Do you better. play Sweden? No, I played Prussia this time. I've uh, already won the campaign, but I have to finish all of the rest of it. Just to How do you make do without the excellent Swedish voice acting? And, and Jelstevimera! Ogen Kanali! A rake! And a gentleman! By my uh, honor! Yeah, the voice acting is uh, it's interesting. It's like, it, it, it definitely shaped you, Krell. I can... Like tell. yeah, the dude you can like assign scientists through cotton mills, and the dude just yells in the most aristocratic Swedish you can imagine for science, for Wittenskapen. It's amazing. Yeah, like, I've just yes. just checked. I have 105 hours of total War Warhammer, and 415 of Warhammer Two. Yeah, I have like 250 for Warhammer yeah. One. That's uh, not including uh, Total War Three, but that's like eight hours or something. I'm just so happy to talk fancy again, so I'm sorry. I think I interrupted you again, Nicholas. No worries. Oh, I just want to share my favorite quote from Napoleon Total War. Ah! That was, yeah, not a bottom from me. <laughs> That's a good one. So he's shouting, this is his brain, get it off of me. Otherwise, really like... Fantastic. The voice acting is so naff as well, it's just... Show, yeah. Shogun Total War, like Fall of the Samurai, is just full of wonderful quotes. Yeah, but join us next time for Quotes of Total War, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's I was the thinking, well. I was, was thinking maybe we should uh, meet up in uh, Stockholm somewhere real soon and have a game. Yeah, well, I have a vacation for another four weeks. Just tell me. Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe I'll be from my work to listen to this. To like four more weeks. You've only written up two. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on you. <laughs> Yeah, and then you got the, the eight days of sick leave without having to provide the doctor note, right? Actually, there's a guy at our work who listens to this podcast. So, like, Roberto, if you're listening to this, hey, man. <laughs> Don't write uh, me. Next time it will just be headlines. Uh, Roberto has gone missing. <laughs> yeah, but Krell, how about your ho- hobby progress before we go on another tangent about nothing? Uh, okay, so I'm going to have to, like, narrow it down to actual fancy stuff. And I've made three categories here. Uh, the first one is... <laughs> I actually finished my first Gothric and Felix book last week. And like, I, I will shit on Jens for not knowing the name of the second Dune book in the series. And simultaneously, I don't know which is the first Gothric and Felix book, uh, which is kind of weird. But I started with like book eight, Goblins, <laughs> no, Orc Slayer. Oh God, it's not even by William King. No, it's by Nick Lang. And the thing was, I really liked it, but I feel like all of these fucking books should come with a proper derogatory warning. Like, warning, side effect may include a wish to start a dwarf army and whatever flavor of the week that Godric is beating the shit out of. Because I read that book and I'm like, hmm, you know what? I wouldn't be amiss to starting a 6th edition goblin army. <laughs> I'm going to give you one guess of what the first uh, Slayer book was with Godric and Felix. Slayer. I'm going to guess it's just called Slayer. No, no, that's uh, way later in the series. Uh, the, Gothic there is, and Felix, it, the first omnibus. It is. It is a kind of slayer in the arm list. Demon slayer. No. no. Skaven slayer. No, that's the second book. Uh, Troll slayer. Yes, yes that's it. Uh, that's just basically short stories. It's not. A... So last week I started and I finished uh, Orc slayer, and this week I finished and I and I finished. Uh, what was it like? Uh, elf? No, man slayer. And now I have uh, elf slayer to read too. The the first one it's just so annoying to read because it's like 
he wrote them as short stories and put them like everywhere so that you could start from any whichever, whichever yeah. one of them yeah so like when you read it like i don't know how many fucking times I have to read about the goddamn window tax riots <laughs> which historically is actually a real thing do, do yeah. they have in that book the fact that rich people just boarded up their windows to not have to pay i don't know i remember like that's where uh gotrick saves felix from like being trampled by the the Reichsguard or whatever, and that's why he followed with them. So like they have to explain this in every every chapter basically. That's a small sh- short story. Yeah, but that's because those uh, stories were written uh, like for a magazine or something like that. Yeah, and but, also... but I gotta say, like I'm thoroughly enjoying the books so far. Yeah. It's been a while. The last thing I think I read was like, what's the name of the Britonia books? It's like, I think they just named after different ranks, like uh, yeah, Questing Knight, Grey Knight, Pegasus Knight or something. Knight Errant, yes. Knight Realm, Questing Knight, and uh, Grey Knight. Because I read, those were like the last Warhammer books I read, Fancy, and I think that was like two or three years ago. And I was surprised so at the quality. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, and then after <laughs> reading these two books... <laughs> Uh, I've actually finished some more like Tomb King stuff. I've done, I, I don't know what I've covered before, so just like Dua Menkrell. I miss Jimmy, uh, if I've said it before. I did my Covenant, like the little box. I did six more horse archers, which actually wound up being surprisingly good. Disconcerting, because I have no idea what it's different. Uh, another three chariots, another 25 archers, uh, another Lish priest. Yeah, I think that's it. Right now, I am painting some more Skaven because I really need to finish up this unit of 20 clan rats. I'm doing three Giselles, three gutter runners, and two weapons team. It's the old, like, metal third edition, you know, uh, flamethrower. The one with, like, the really wonky Skaven. The guy in the front has, like, a pickle haub. And one at the back, uh, back is just holding a hose and w- waving a knife in the air for no apparent reason. He even have has, you, like, a still. Yeah. Have you posted pictures of these, Kevin? Mm, uh, they're not done. I'm just working on them. I could. Like, this is stuff I'm working on. Right now, they're doing contrast. If... If our listeners remember, please check out the episode 35, Skaven Crow. Uh, I'm doing these with contrast paints, and I've already regretted it. Because it looks okay, <laughs> but like you need to go back and do so much fucking highlights and like proper wood and metal and stuff. Uh, but like I've set down this path, so might as well like see it to the end. Uh, yeah. I also played a game, the third point on my hobby list, I guess. I played a 6th edition uh, Warhammer Fantasy game. And there shouldn't be that much like satisfaction, smug satisfaction coming out of me with that statement. Um, I actually did what we found in this podcast to do. <laughs> Don't know if you guys know where I'm at. Uh, so that was real fun. I met a guy I've been talking to for like, I guess the better part of half a year, but he has like a small child and I have a small child and like reference back a couple of minutes to where I said that my child were basically nurglings and amplify that by 20 whenever they enter the preschool stage. Fun fact, nobody tells you about that one. So we finally met up and for a game, and his name is Niklas. He posts every now and again in Warhammer Fantasy uh, Sweden. He has a really cool Chaos Army. So, like, we're going to play a game, I think, at, like, half past four or half past... Yeah, half past four. So I ran down to, like, Alpha Spill, a local, friendly local gaming shop. Uh, he booked a table. He did, like, literally everything right. I showed up. Okay, let's see. I got 40 minutes. I got 40 minutes to spare. This is the voice I want a game, in reality. I have 40 minutes to spare. I'll just make a list with pen and paper on site. And, of course, I wind up in a discussion with a guy who works at Alpha Spelia's discussion, the best version of fantasy. And it, it has been well established that I am up for debate about the inherently best fancy edition ever. <laughs> Tim, get fucked. And I will win that. So then this guy showed up and is like, hey, uh, I think it's a bit late to play 2,000 points. So, like, let's do a 1,500-point list. And I'm like, yeah, okay. 
So I take another five minutes while he's setting up the table. I'm like, wait, uh, you can't have a lord in 1,500 points, can you? He just looks at me like, don't you know the rules? Which, which I don't, you know. Hey, that's why I play with <laughs> four guys who are tremendously good at rules. I'm like, okay, let me just redo my list. And he puts up his entirely beautiful chaos army with like plenty of conversions, solid blocks of units. Like he has marauders, he has chaos warriors, he has a chariot, he has a cool like kit bashed sorcerer. And he puts up his army and I put up all my stuff. And it's like, I think one of us have, has done a slight mistake here. And he doesn't accuse me. Like he's just being very polite and nice. It's like, because I'm playing a very elite army and I don't have a lot of models. I'm like nodding vigorously. Yes, yes, that's chicks out. And then he points to my side of the table. And you have roughly five models less than me. So I'm just wondering, did you like calculate your list? And I do this like fake gasp and swooning. I shake my list. How dare you? Oh, okay. So I, I counted in a Lord worth like 450 points and I removed him, but I didn't remove the points limit. So I just put up like 1100 points of skeletons on the table. So I'm like, no, it's cool, we'll play. He's like, no, you can just redo the list. I'm like, uh, wait, 450 points. I do some quick arithmetic. I'm like, okay, so we'll have uh, 18 wolves in one unit. We'll just throw in like free spirit hosts. We'll throw in a banshee, another like vampire frawl, and another additional 25 skeletons. There we go. That's 450 points extra. And then we played the game. And it was really, really fun. Uh, one of the highlights was just getting my ass kicked over and over again by a chariot. Because he had like a chaos chariot that rode into the side of my grave guard. And it crumbled like eight of them in one turn. And I only managed like killing blow that thing with my banner bearer and my white king, who had the sword that gives him killing blow on a five rather than a six. And I killing blowed him, just decapitated all of it in one fell swoop after like two turns of protracted combat in which I think like 15 Graveguard had died. He had a lot of bad luck with the dice because somehow he he actually was very smart. He He took like... 12 Chaos Hounds, and I split them into units of six, so we could harangue my flanks, which is a tactically sound thing to do. I put, like, 18 wolves in one big unit, just out to the left, and then somehow they charged so, into a so huge block wars. Yeah, and they charged into, like, the side, <laughs> and he failed his fear test, so they, like, wiped an entire unit and then ran into the side of Marauders, and the Marauders got charged in the face with skeletons, and, yeah, he had a lot of bad luck. Uh, I did Blood Dragons because, you know, I like that. So I had to challenge him and everything. And, like, it would have felt wrong for him not to accept those challenges. So, like, my my vampires just rolled up with, like, heavy armor shields and, like, weapon skill 7. Like, ha-ha! And just kept splitting Chaos Warriors in two. I keep forgetting how really, 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 really good the Fear Rule is. Like, yeah, really. But he was a real nice guy, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, like, shout out. It turns out uh, he listens to our podcast, and I do hope you enjoy it. He actually gave me a request that we do some more lore segments. And I think that'll tie nicely into one of the ideas I have for the listener questions that Chris actually collated. Uh, otherwise, yeah. yeah, it was actually fun, because a lot of people had questions about Warhammer Fantasy, uh, particularly when they heard we were playing 6th edition. I think there are like a lot of smaller fancy communities out there in Stockholm right now. I know that Nicholas is like shuddering internally just at the word of Stockholm, but hey, they're out there. So that's <laughs> what I've been doing. Uh, yeah, and I did like, I guess, a thousand points of Death Guard for 30k, Empress Shield, another thousand points, and my Bad Up Wars Red Scorpion Army is actually finished now. Nice, nice. Except for like one of these new Age of Darkness Marines, uh, I want to finish one of those as a Red Scorpion and put him next because I don't know if you've seen my Red Scorpion army, but I have like every Marine from the old Second Edition Monopose, and they have like uh, the Mark Mark Five resin, Mark Five plastic, 
Mark VI plastic. I just put them next to one another to show people the size difference. So I want to have one of the latest Marines as well. Yeah. I just re- great Harvick progress and uh, nice you got a game of the six edition in. Thanks. Um, I realized that uh, I didn't. I, we, we did an episode before about the the tournament that we were going to host, but I didn't really talk about the the results of it. I think. Oh yeah. What were the results? Uh, here, here, uh, s- small recap. Uh, so it's a one, one day tournament, three games. Um, or did we talk about it, Chris? Well, you did mention who won the best sport and who was best overall. I think and we, who was won best painted, but that's pretty much it. Did we do that like in the last episode? Yep. <laughs> this track of of time and space. Uh, you you yeah, even the, mentioned the who won best painted in at the start of the recap of the because you were playing him first, I think. Yes. Yeah. Now that I mentioned was it, it again, I have talked about it. Did Nicholas win best painted? No. Did you, you, could, you could just oh, do a five oh. minute recap of the, the of the event, and if people haven't listened to the last episode, they could just go back and listen to all of it. So, yeah, go yeah, go back to the last episode. It'll be better, so I don't have to say the same thing again for people who have already heard it. But I do want to say, and before I forget this, like when we were recording the last episode, uh, I thought we should focus on the event, and then I wouldn't talk too much about what I did before that. But I did go to England before to play some games. I played some Warband games, which was great fun. I played like five of them. And I just want to tell you this epic moment that happened against uh, Joseph, Joseph Bain, uh, hero of 6th edition fantasy that organized a bunch of events in the UK. Um, so we had a Warband game, me, him, and uh, Joseph Pickett that I did a Britonia episode with. And Joseph Bain had this orc boss charging towards my uh, Dark Elf executioners. They were like facing the wrong way. He was facing down their flank. And there was no way I would escape. And then my sorceress rocked up uh, towards his orc unit and cast a spell where uh, she would freeze them for a turn. You you can pick if they can't move, shoot, or cast magic. So of course they would not be allowed to move. So she cast a spell, but then rolled a double one from miscast. I'm like, oh no, fuck! I'm gonna get killed by these orcs. But then I rolled a double six for the effect, which meant that she cast the spell with irresistible force. But then she's no longer a mage. Uh, so, like, I got it off, which is the important thing. And then my executioner's turn in my turn. And then in his turn, he couldn't move. And then in my turn, like, the four of them charged his six orcs or whatever with his boss in it. Uh, and they, they charged in, and, like, three of them attacked the big boss and made a killing blow. And he had, like, the, the orc uh, item that gives him a one-up save. Of course, he didn't get, up, get a save from the, the killing blow. And they won against the orcs and charged him down. And I was like, the such a great Warhammer moment. Like <laughs> it's like this crazy bet and everything goes wrong at first and then everything works out and then it's it's glorious. Glorious and beautiful. I, I think too. killing blow and heroic killing blow especially are like great cinematographic moments in general. Like they yeah. can really swing things, particularly duels and combats. Yeah. Oh, I also want to give a uh, a shout out now that I'm thinking about it because I'm gonna forget it later if we do shout outs. But uh, I started watching uh, Rogue Element Gaming on YouTube. If you've heard of what's this this guy, I guess an Australian guy that posts uh, six edition battle reports. Oh and really? They're they're really good. I really like them. Uh, and he he plays dwarves as well. So I mean I can relate. And this latest game that I'm watching against vampire counts like he's got such. Bad luck with this artillery is like I'm sitting at the edge of my seat, just screaming like, "No, this happened! Oh my god!" It's, uh, I, I gotta it's ask, what, what sort of vampires? A necrarch. Uh, well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there, 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 like, there, there's a ranking. 
Like Necrock <laughs> is objectively the best one. But if you told me like he I plays your, Street Boy, tone, Krell. Well, there is a ranking if you must know, and uh, <laughs> I would not rate them very highly. Some do, what? but according to the official ranking, okay, tell me the ranking. If it, you told the, me he's playing Street Boy, I would have fallen off my fucking chair. Okay, so the ranking is. From best to worst, like Necrarch, Blood Dragon, Von Karstein, Lamia, and Strigoi. And that's right. actually the order you see people play it as well. Most people play either like Necrarch or Blood Dragon, which could be, you know, generously, maybe you like the idea of a Sorcerer's Overlord Vampire or like Bram Stoker's, like Thomas Perrin said, Bram Stoker's Dracula was the inspiration, the Francis Ford Coppola movie for the design of Blood Dragons. So people like that. And Von Karstein is like Hammer Horror, or my favorite one. Welcome into my home and leave some of the joy that you bring he's, with he's you. Got a, he's got a Necro Lord and a Dragon, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, that's actually some self-handicap. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's good. It's just you very rarely, you very rarely see someone play Strigoi. In that Warband thing, so many yeah. poison ideas. Yeah, in, in a, a Warband, they're perfect, because they're yeah, like a mega hero. Yeah, so in that Warband thing, a guy was playing uh, Strigoi, and he had a flying vampire. And it was just like the the fucking terror, um, <laughs> and we we played like a three way game, and me against him as well. Uh, and he was in combat with some chaos guys, like a spawn. And then my dark elf mage, who was like not part of combat and not on either of those sides, just like cast that the Strigoi vampire would get weapon skill one, and mm. <laughs> he got eaten by the spawn. Oh, so good. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> The joy you have that basically a wizened elder librarian got murdered to death by some insane giant murder hobo is kind of depressing to me. Just remember how much wisdom was lost with that vampire, Nicholas. Unlike elves, we can't just make more. Just noble hero. We lost you too too early. Oh, fantastic. So, believe yeah. it or not... <laughs> I love Nicholas Brasser. <laughs> Fucking vampires. They're so dumb. Yeah, and believe it or not, I'm going to move on with this uh, podcast and say that there is it. actually technically some news this week. Okay. Speaking of falling off my share. <clears throat> well, you so get then... a Skaven model if you go to Games Workshop and uh, get the model of the month. Really? Is it like a cool one? Uh, no, it's a plastic landrat. <laughs> oh, okay, well. Which is... A uh, monkey uh, hand... Yeah. Right. Yeah, which is the usual way of uh, when they do the monthly miniature, it's just a plastic kit uh, that's been assembled in the store. Pretty much. One 2002 gutter runner for you, sir. <laughs> but that's not <laughs> the, the interesting part of uh, when it comes to Skaven, because uh, they're doing a made-to-order of uh, lovely old uh, Skaven character models. Yeah, Nurglitch. Yeah, and uh, the old Vermin Lord, the uh, classic Tankwell and Bone Ripper, Ricket Claw, Quick Head Taker. And the Deathmaster Snitch. So, I actually really like that Deathmaster Snitch and Nurglish one. I might get those. I know Jimmy was going to get like all of them. Uh, I'm a bit more ambivalent on the Funkwall one because I don't have as much like nostalgic memories about it. And I actually like the later models. How yeah, do you guys a, feel? That's uh, if you want to play this version of Funkwall before Gotrick chops up his Bone Ripper. <laughs> It's actually, he loses like, I've read Grey Seer. He, he goes through those things like nobody business. Yeah. Towards the end of Manslayer, and again, Fanquil hasn't been a single sentence in the book. They just threw in five lines about Fanquil pissing himself in fear about the fact that Godric isn't dead. Uh... It's like jovially talking about putting humans into mazes to torture them. And then they're like, we, had, we heard some rumors about someone with a huge orange mohawk. And like, they have a long sense about the musk of fear. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Classic Skaven yeah. moment. I'm thinking that uh, Deathmaster for a Mordheim warband would be. Oh, yeah, that'd be fine. 
because he's one of these models that if you put him slightly off, he'll be hard to rank up. He's still an assassin, yeah. though, but yeah, in Mordheim, he'd be perfect. I bet you could do something really cool with like a scenic base for him as well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I lo- love the prehensile tail holding oh, yeah. the extra da- dagger. <laughs> I wish that someone would go through all the Gordon Felix books and just uh, count out how many times squirting the Musk of Fear is written. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, check out our exclusive Patreon, <laughs> whereupon Niklas will read all those lines. <laughs> Disclaimer, we don't have a pre- Patreon. <laughs> not really sure what would, would be the point of one. <laughs> well, obviously to get Niklas th- that sweet, sweet Audible money. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll do it on my OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what my favorite thing is about the Gotrick and Felix book so far? Except for like the link I sent you guys with when, when Funkwell tries to like write a letter as a human. <laughs> as a crowd. Uh, yeah, there's like one part where like, I think it's the invasion of Nalm uh, after it, when they're like chasing after some Skaven and Fanquil is there. And Sk- Fanquil is like, ah, yes, my arch nemesis, my, my, I must stand up and tell my troops what I think about him. And like, they switch the perspective to Gotrick and Felix. And Felix like, hey, Gotrick, one of the rats just climbed up on like a boulder and he's waving his tiny rat paw at us, squeaking. And Gotrick's like, damn stupid rats never know what they're up to and they cut back to Fanquil and it's like as I said my great plan and enemies I shall yes yes kill all of you and he just has like a long monologue <laughs> and Godric and Felix yeah. are like we're gonna stand here because we don't know what he's planning and he thinks they're just frozen in fear when they're just yeah. standing in one place laughing at yeah. him uh, not, not to spoil too much of Godric and Felix but like many many books in where like uh, Thankful is chasing him and Felix used to like after seeing him five times like isn't isn't that the rat that we saw in Nome or something <laughs> yeah they have no idea yeah at that point right, but, right uh, now like Godric and Felix are being hunted by vampires Again, yeah, I'm gonna say this. There is a new uh, Godric, Godric book that's uh, hit uh, audiobook format, and I think uh, Niklas might even approve of this one because he's killing Idoness Deepkin. I heard that apparently Brian Blessed is the reader of Godric and Felix, like uh, he is in the game. No, not all of them in the oh, audio bad. dramas, he is in the audiobooks, it's uh, Jonathan Keeble. Oh, okay. Wait, did you say Weeble? Keeble. Oh, okay. Keeble. I thought it was like Weeble and Bob. Oh, sorry. No, like super Jonathan excited. Keeble has done lo- a lot of lovely, lovely books. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. That looks cool. Oh, it's, uh, I think Realm Slayer is the one with, uh, I'm not sure. One of them is with, uh, one or two is with uh, Brian Blessed, and then yeah. we have uh, the rest with Jonathan Keeble. I'm going to go out on a limb here because Jimmy isn't here, so it's his own fault. He brought it on himself. I'm going to review these like Skaven models because I don't have a lot of nostalgia for them. I'm going to say all of them look perfectly fine. And like the Deathmaster Snitch and the Nurglitch riding a rat looks awesome. Uh, unblinded by nostalgia, unbridled <laughs> by faith. Like I like them. How about the rest of you? Jimmy I isn't here. You don't have to be afraid, Nicholas. <laughs> say what you think about the treacherous uh, rat men. I need to, I need to bring him up. Uh, I actually really like the, like the classic Warlord. Uh, I remember seeing that in my my old catalog, like 2001 catalog, and I think it's just a, a cool model. I like the like the bold red and green that they painted in as well. Um, I like Thankwell. It's like a classic seer model. What do you think about Bone Ripper? Pretty pretty cool as well. Um, but it they they all have quite uh, the rate quite high on the nostalgia factor. Yeah, <laughs> else. they're like peak. They're like peak uh, mon- monkey skaven. Yeah, I think I like the Warlord the most, actually. Hey, yeah. as a quick aside, if you had to, like, connect a color to Clan Skyer, what color would that be? Like, yellow? I'd say, like, gray. I don't know why. Gray, huh. Okay, okay. 
I don't have any gray, actually. It's a good, it's a perfectly good answer, though. How about you, Chris? I'm thinking uh, that's, you can't go wrong with muted colors, but the, because then you can do all of the uh, uh, contraptions and uh, weapons in uh, brass or gold or mm, copper and with some mm. uh, degree or rust, all of that. Or just have some energy effects from um, the more exotic weapons or warpstone. Yeah, we're, we're looking at uh, like it just sails right now. Um, muted so, colors for the robes, for the cloth, cloth at least. Okay, wait, that's a good point. Gray and muted. I think I got the the wrong ones up. Like I just Google it and I got the like the the last mate order in 2019. <laughs> Whoa. but it's the same warlord though. I still like that warlord. The yeah, but like the the last time they made it, it was with the new uh, bone. Bone Ripper. Uh, hmm. I think I like the old Bone Ripper more, actually, because the new one is like a looks like a Vampire Coast thing. The one they're doing now for the Major Order, you could, if you don't want to use it as a Bone Ripper, you could use it as a an ogre, yeah, like a mute, ogre. Mute, yeah, or a mutant ogre for chaos. You know, like a warband setting. Vermin Lord is cool as well, and of course, a rat riding a rat with another rat next to him. <laughs> Yo, dog! I heard you like rats. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, ratception. You know what you call that? Rat tat tat. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of like qualitative shit talk you miss out on. I <laughs> probably just get to the point without me. I can just feel like Chris's urge to uh, to mute, <laughs> mute you right me. now. I can just like I can sense the the cursor hovering. Well, I was gonna say if. Uh, if some of these just turn into gray noise or disappears in the edit, I'm not responsible, honestly. You're literally responsible. No. Your definition you of responsible. You, you made you this. And you can't prove anything. This is like Dr. Frankenstein being chased by his creation in Polar. This isn't my fault at all. It's literally your fault. <laughs> so, as we alluded to earlier, we have some listener questions that I. Asked for it on a whim yesterday before this recording. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just we planned the, the we sort of planned the recording and then it just uh, maybe we should have some listening questions. That's always good. And uh, the first one is from Matt, and that's uh, what's the largest sized game you've played? Either uh, one v one or mega battle, and did you have any additional rules you incorporated? <clears throat> I can start because mine is going to be really quick. Uh, we we played eight thousand points over three players, and it was the Empire and the Vampire counts, and we played me as Sylvania versus uh, the High Elves. And the High Elves had, I think, actually five thousand points, and we had like three thousand points each. However, to win, all we had to do was reach the city gates with a character, and it's like me doing very little because I put up fifteen hundred points, and I was allowed to use a lord. So like my von Karstein vampire lord got the ass got the shit kicked out of him, managed to kill like a unit of what are they called? Great swords? Are they called great swords, Chris? Swordsmasters, yeah. And then he turned into wolf form and just ran eighteen inches up to the city gates in the last turn. <laughs> in my in my mind, he has slaughtered like the twenty-five thousand elves within himself. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's my quick quest, quick answer. Next person would probably a better answer. I played um, a, like War of the Beard scenario a long time ago when I was but a beardling, <laughs> and uh, that was pretty sick. I uh, can't remember how many points it was. Probably like twenty thousand aside or something. Uh, like six players per side, maybe. Uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, but it was a long time ago. Like, oof, oof, probably twelve years ago. Um, but it was fun. Might have been eighth edition. Don't remember. Um, 
yeah, it's the biggest game I played. The thing with like big games is that, especially with several players, it's it's more of a spectacle than it is like an actual game. I don't expect too much of a like a, a tactical uh, challenge. It's just like setting up a bunch of stuff and it looks cool, and then you have to like wait around for an hour for the turn to finish after you you moved your stuff. I mean, it's a bit like 7th Ed or 6th Ed Apocalypse. Ideally, you have all of these stratagems and like large blasts to make the game go faster. But otherwise, like Nicholas says, it can take a long ass time and you sort of need an unofficial dungeon master or something just to make sure that proceedings go on as they should. Yeah, I think uh, that could be like a whole uh, other segment, but like how to arrange a big game. I think it would be cool to have like uh, pivotal spots, if that would make sense. Like you would start closer with the armies, and it would just like, I mean, it, setting up the the models like a normal game and like trying to be tactical where you deploy shit. Sh- that shouldn't be the game. You should you should just have like things that look cool go against other stuff that looks cool, and like have heroes fighting off against each other. Maybe just like starting twelve inches away from each other, so that they would just like get in the fight because that's what everyone wants anyway yeah. just make a spectacle with like cool combats and when you start you should realize that this is going to be very different from an ordinary game so like figure out what your expectations are if you want big mega fights or like epic duels do like nicholas said like the old like siege book have certain section of the walls be worth more points when you calculate towards the end. Because it's not if you try to play and make a game as an order game, it's just going to be a long drudgery and it's going to take eight hours and you all get too tired mentally before you get to the point in the end. Um, but yeah, mega games are cool. I would definitely like to uh, to have some more mega games. Um, definitely with my dwarves, I want to have like a big ass game against the high elves, and I would definitely want to do like a storm of chaos or great war of chaos scenario. Weren't you guys going to play a game of War of the Beard? One day, <laughs> perhaps. You guys talked about that when we started this podcast. I need someone with a massive high elf army. I need to find, an, uh, find a drive to actually paint all of my high elves. <laughs> That's the main problem for me. Speaking of massive games, the largest I've been in was similar size to Nicholas. one siege during the Storm of Chaos campaign, even, Ooh. for Midnight. But uh, the only... Yeah, as you mentioned, it might be a bit more of a just making it look good than actually having a tactical game when you play that kind of uh, number of models. But we had, uh, uh, I think we had, you had wall, but the wall alongside a double t- table setup, uh, lengthwise, so to speak, and uh, I, I, we had I hope possibilities you for the results yeah, online. We did. There's, okay. I think, there's somewhere in the database we were, we, I think we were eight people, and we, what we did was uh, we made mages more powerful. Yeah, which made sense given that this was pretty much the whole of the winds of chaos. It made sense, and we all had the most powerful mages in that battle anyway. Nice. Were were you responsible for putting uh, Grimgor in the Middenheim? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. it was Chris' fault. I uh, I didn't uh, really I did have a uh, have a small uh, high elf army on loan and that battle to a friend and I played uh, slayers myself. I I thought you were gonna tell us that like yes Arkan died fifteen times in that game and that's why he didn't get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we we reported Arkan dying four hundred times in that battle. <laughs> Just to skew the results. No, we didn't. Uh, I think we but we did stop the chaos. Uh, 
boards. I had a friend who made lovely, lovely flarekin. You know the yeah, oh, yeah. the ones that the wall climbers. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty similar to the ones. <laughs> I in, don't want to uh, like. I don't want to like degradate your friend's accomplishment, but I feel like everyone stopped the chaos incursion in that event. Yeah, well, if you look at the results, obviously. Also, the entire entirety of the Chaos Horde just teleported off of the Empire, but that's beside the point. Uh, I can see why, and I can see that there was slight imbalance in having all of the good guys on one side and all 800 players worldwide on the Chaos side. I, I wonder if the dudes who did like the last season of Game of Thrones, D&D, if they looked at that, I was like, yeah, sure, just let's just have people teleport 250 miles yeah. in one game. We all know that Arcane and the Night King is the same character. Oh, God. Yeah, well, I mean, Arya stabbing the Night King is probably as contentious as Grimgor just kicking the shit out of Arkan. <laughs> yeah, and then leaving him alive because he had beaten him and proved his point. Ah, uh, yeah. It's a lovely thing. Speaking of, Ben asks, uh, favorite arm list to draw from? Could be from a White Dwarf an annual back of the army book list or just a straight up regular army book. Anything goes. And also, why would be fun to know. I can start if nobody else feels compelled. Sure. Go on. Cult of Slanish. Oh, that's oh. a lovely list. Uh, the Cult of Slanish for two reasons. The first one is I always need an excuse to buy some Dark Elves. And the second one is I do have the Diaz Slanish Demonettes. And then, like, we never saw its like again. It's like the Slayer Cult. For those of you who don't know, it's Storm of Chaos. And it's basically, what if Morafi really started up the Cult of Pleasure slash Slanish of Worship while Malekith was away doing useful stuff? Uh, so you can have, like, a mix of Slanish units and the Dark Elf units. And it's a really limited lo- roster. I haven't seen it played. I do have a lot of Slanish stuff painted up, so it'd be fun to like do a middling of lesser Dark Elf units. Just kid, it, kid bash it up with some Dark Eldar. But I think it's really thematic and fun, and you seldom see it played. And that's why it would be. Uh, as a follow-up, I would probably say either the Hell Pit Abomination list or the Vampire Count uh, from Corazon Army, where you can have like the Levies of Sylvania. Again, the, I mean, uh, not for Storm of Chaos. So it's Storm of Chaos book again. Yeah, no, actually the one in the back, because the one from is with zombie levies. Uh, oh, you can right. have like dudes, zombies. I mean the one with like the Huntsmaster and like the Sylvanian snipers, because it has to do with the fact that Von Karsten are actually legitimate rules of Sylvania, much as yeah. the Empire wouldn't want them to be. So you can get like the levies just rising up to fight for the Lord. Well, isn't the one in the uh, back of the army book also yeah. with uh, human Oops. Yep, there it is. It's like the Sylvanian Huntmaster, and you can have like, they're basically like, what do you call them? Free guilds? Yeah, what yeah. do you call them in the Empire book? You know, like the adventurers? Yeah, the militia. Malaysia. Yeah, thanks. Call the militia. Them, call them the faction free guild these days. Yeah, uh, those guys. Sorry. Uh, those yeah. guys. And you can have like some swordsmen, just some pikemen and like some unit. It's the idea that you could kit bash up some Sylvanian farmers just rising up to fight for their feudal lord. I just like the idea somehow, but it ties into the fact that when I started Vampire Accounts a long time ago, I really tied into the hammer horror aesthetics. So that's probably the ones. Honorable mention has to be the Slayer Cult because my man Jimmy in Stockholm, he had 2005, I can't even say, but I'm getting excited. 2,500 points of Metal Slayer army. And it all got locked into a cupboard that his parents probably binned when he moved out of home. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I bum him out by sending him links on Swedish eBay on how much that army would cost to buy it today. Uh, pro tip, it's yeah. enough to buy an apartment. Well, how about the rest of you? Well, not in Stockholm. <laughs> well, I, I just want to continue on the, the vampire thing. 
I think the, the Strigoi list is really cool. You can have the Strigani. Oh, yeah. Because uh, they're just like a very, very intriguing part of uh, Warhammer that like they're they're there. There are people that are like part of the world, uh, but they're like never mentioned. And uh, like here you can have a unit of them. I think you can only have one of them, which is a bit of a shame. But it would be really cool to do like a Strigani army and then like have uh, some Dogs of War. Maybe have like a Dogs of War cannon or some other higher mercenaries as well, mm, along yeah. with the the ghouls and the, the flying vampires and shit. Yeah, they used to be an empire of them, their own, back, yep. back in yeah. the days in Warhammer lore, yeah. so to speak. And I don't they... know if you guys remember, but in the 7th edition Vampire Council, there's this duke who lives. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've brought this up. Do you remember him, Chris? Like the Strigoi Duke who walks around, he just pretends he's a nobleman. What's he called? Like the Black Duke or something. And he tries to, like, he sends these courting letters to like the ladies of the empire and it's basically like a strig a guy who's dressed up as an empire courtier but his city is very well run because there aren't any robbers and whenever robbers or murders occur he just finds somebody drained of blood hung up in a street lamp so like the population are afraid but also slightly grateful to him so he's conrad curse no he's like conrad curse if conrad curse thought that he was like an empire nobleman who wants to like marry himself to make legitimize his rule and he actually cares about the people around him uh Fair enough. so that was just like uh, an aside. I think um, I was going to say with the list is that uh, like I have a new favorite list to, to draw stuff out of whenever I have a new project. Like I, I can't say like this is the one list. It's like whatever whatever's your fancy at the time. Like right now it's a dark elf list because uh, like it's it's new and fresh and there's so much to do with it. But uh, before that was the dwarf list because it's so fun making different magic items and I love dwarves. And before that, it was Kiss Up. So whatever's like my current interest is my favorite list. How about you, Chris? I'd say the Slayer Cult from the Storm of Chaos is my favorite mm. in this case. There's yes. so much uh, fleshing out of the Slayers list-wise, not lore-wise, because they're people or dwarves that's done something wrong and uh, have to atone for themselves. But there's so many different kinds, and they... Have and they got Malachi Mackaison's Goblin Hewer. You got characters. You got basically an honor guard for the Slayer King. That's uh, not. I mean, it's a. It is a fleshed out version of the list from the back of the first Dwarf books in six in sixth ed. But uh, it's so much more, and it's yeah. uh, really and interesting. Sl- Slayers are just like so Warhammer. They're yeah. so iconic. So having like a, a whole army of the the coolest characters in Warhammer is really rad. Yeah, they're a bit uh, since they don't wear any armor and just have like an axe or a ma- massive hammer. They're a bit cooler than the battle raiders from uh, the uh, what is it called? The one with the Drist and uh, Bruinor and all of those. Forgotten Realms. No, that's it. They 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 got the battle raiders with basically. Dwarfs clad in armor with sharpened edges that just uh, attach themselves to enemies and vibrate them to death. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Right. They I've got to say, Chris, uh, like, uh, this is me having a real gotcha, gotcha moment trying to out you on the internet. Uh, I'm surprised that you're saying that because I expressed some interest in the Slayers and you said the perfect antidote to liking Slayers is to look at old Slayer sculpts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you stand by that statement? Some uh, old Slayers are. It depends on how, if you go back to the Marauder era, they're just interesting. That's they got character, Chris. Yeah. 
But the, the thing is, if you really, really wanted to, you could, with some conversion work, do a plastic slayer army even today, if you wanted to. Yeah, avatars of war slayers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm actually pretty infused by the Age of Sigmar Gotrek and Felix mo- model. That's the one where he's standing on like a large stone with a pendant, right? That's the one you painted yeah. up, isn't it, Chris? No, I think Jimmy painted it. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, I mean, it's a really nice model. And that's coming from a place you've heard my general enthusiasm for the latest Age of Sigmar Scops in general. So, like, I really like that one. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> that looks like the rhino. Like, the rhino had repeated children with Wolverine's <laughs> claws all over himself. What the fuck is this? That's a battle rager from uh, it's, it's, it's the hedgehog. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm so happy I stopped reading Forgotten Realms around uh, El Minister Goes to Hell. And these, yeah. uh, I was just looking at these Avatars of War Slayers now, and they, they look pretty good, actually. Uh, 29 euro for 20 of them. It's a good price as well. For context, uh, the thing we discussed, the photo of, was uh, the photo of Thibodeau Quent from uh, the Gutbusters of Mithril Hall that I sent in our Discord chat while we were recording this. If anyone wants a photo reference to what we were talking about. You should just upload it with the episode. <laughs> this he's is the also... look I get when somebody mentions yeah. uh, the ranking of vampire counts. He's also a character in uh, Neverwinter Nights Online. Huh. I, I think he's I think he's a vampire in that one. What? Yeah, I stopped playing when I noticed that he wasn't proper. He had red eyes and uh, pale skin. So, yeah, uh, what is this? No, I'm not going to find out more of this. I'm just going to delete this game. That's filled. <laughs> but as I said, the Slayer list is a really good one because it's so thematic. Other than that, uh, I, th- I think... Uh, some armies got uh, more than others when it came to alternative lists and lists of the back of, back of the book. And uh, I'm actually going to say the surprise, surprise, the Seaguard list is also really... <laughs> but but it's, it's an interesting one because it slightly changed how Hives play. Yeah, okay. That's I, I just thought one of us was for sure going to mention like the Null Artillery Train. That also that slightly changes how Empire play, but yeah, uh, the Seaguard list changes how... how uh, Hives play because you don't get access to the same characters. You don't get access to the same magic lords. You don't get access to all of the units. You don't get access to Silverhelm core units that you have to use as outflanking. You lose lose a lot of the usual Hive units that make uh, the list a bit more challenging to play because it's not really a list for below 2,000 points. You lose a lot of stuff that usually make high elves really, really good. Instead, you gain a bunch of stuff that makes the high elves really, really good. Well, not uh, it uh, changes how they play. You have to adapt. Uh, it changes how you crush your opponent and drive their weeping women in front of you. Yes, well, Chris, that is yeah. what is good in life. You don't even have high elf archers in that list. You don't have silver helms. You don't have uh, Illyrian reavers. You don't have dragon princes. You don't have. You do have a mare worm, though. Yeah, but you don't have sword master. You don't have anything that is the usual way hires play, which is why it is an interesting list. I don't say it was a was a worse list, but you have to play <laughs> two thousand points. But it's it's two thousand points and above because below that you can't take the lord, so you can't take the sea lord uh, honor, so you don't get the pre-game bombardment, which is which is a balancing <laughs> thing, which is a balancing thing. Being able to shoot the shit out of your opponent before you can do anything back. Yeah, you can't do that below two thousand points. If and if I play, then that is different from the the, 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 the artillery train now. Did you say? 
No, Nicholas first. Uh, how is that different from the Nolan Artillery train? That you get shot before you can do anything back? Because now you get shot before the game even starts. Well, by arrows though. Imagine like if you play Vampire Counts, and I guess that's a difficult proposition for you to imagine, but just try it to the like, very extent of your imagination. And like you need one Vampire General to hold the entire animus of the Binding Army together. And before the game even starts, a cannonball kills your general. The rest of the well, game, it, your army is just slowing dying by itself. Well, you don't have cannons. It's just arrows. That's the thing. Like a, an Empire player with a bunch of cannons can just shoot it anyway. Yeah, and it's not all of the units. Three arrows, like, and bolt throwers. Only string free. Do you know how fragile a necromancer is, Nicholas? You also get the, if you have the uh, your characters with the units, you get to shoot them as well. And they can have a reaver bow and uh, both the seafarer. With, and one of them is a strength five three shot bow. I'm, and the other one is I'm a trying to help you, Chris, and you're only sabotaging yourself. <laughs> but you I'm can't also, help him. He's playing high elves. But He's I'm also saying salvation. that if you want the really, really broken <laughs> stuff in the Seaguard list, you have to play above 2,000 points. Below that, this is the weaker alternative. Then the large bows again, and then the slightly lesser bows, and then the large bows again. Poor, poor right. skeletons. Should we move on to the next listener question? Yeah, the next listener question is, why is the Seaguard list so good? No. Uh, <laughs> why is uh, it perfectly balanced <laughs> in every regard? This is uh, a Varric Warship on Instagram asks, uh, what edition of the rules do you guys think will be the closest to the new rules when the old world returns? 6th, 8th, or AOS? And I'm going to start with no idea. I can't even yeah. fathom or guess why what they're going to based on given what they have said so far. Yeah, I mean, Games Workshop are really experimenting with their rule systems lately. Uh, like, how much they've changed since, uh, like, when we started playing this game. Like, um, when 6th edition came out, kind of marked when Games Workshop went kind of low-risk mainstream, that they've, uh, like, they only put money into Fantasy and 40k, and they were kind of similar. at kind of similar games, plays that, or game systems and it didn't really change them that much between editions but now <clears throat> i say in more recent years but it's been like five years or something since like eighth edition 40k came out they really started to to change it up a lot with their minor game systems a lot like necromunda is uh, a totally different game system from 40k and titanicus and aeronautica and uh, the apocalypse game system that they made and and the yeah, they got, they got a, a bunch of uh, like different game systems. So it could be close to one of their old ones, or it could be totally fresh. I definitely think they're going like, to uh, keep some similar elements to the, the old games. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll like do the same stats as the old ones, or if they'll do the new 4K style stats, where like 3 up to hit, or... Uh, I don't know what they have anymore. I don't know what the kid's like these days. You are a kid, Nicholas. Don't stop. Don't start this again. <laughs> but... The just see the changes from uh, the first one or 1.5 if you want to want a version of heresy to uh, the new one they uh, kept what uh, it's essentially the same game but upgraded it and yeah. and added in entirely new uh, game elements like like reactions yeah i'm going to try to not veer too far off point here uh, how do I put this in nice term? I know we've had discussion before to some extent, but still, I feel that Nicholas is uh, like 90% correct. If you look at the work that Andy Horn, Specialist Game Studios have done, they've done an amazing job in bringing in different game system. Necromunda, Imperial Aeronautica, Adeptus Titanicus have 
wildly different game systems, rules, and inherent intricacies to them. They have different hobby approaches as well. Necromunda is very much what you see is what you get, kit bash as much as you want. Adeptus Titanicus is some adaptability, whereas Aero Titanicus is, no, Imperial Aeronautica is what you get in the box is what you play. They have very different scaling systems, and as somebody who's dabbled a lot in Necromunda, uh, it's an amazing game system, and I think it's really telling for the hobby the way the Games Workshop is experimenting, and in return, seeing the yield they can actually get from the hobby. Because I think they were even surprised at the amount of success they had with Necromunda. A lot of people liked it, bought into it, played it, and expanded on it, and that's why we now have like what ten books of it. I think, like you guys said, they're going to retain enough trappings that people are familiar with the game system, going to like see some familiarities and go like, oh yeah, I remember that. But they're going to need to switch it up and do some changes. With 8th edition, if we say it's going to be similar to that, we're talking about huge blocks and large investments, and we know for a fact that most new players shy away from that. So if you want new players, I'm going to say they have like a smaller scaling system where you don't have to have more than maybe like 50 guys for an entire army to start with, and then you go upwards. And then we're talking more about 6th edition rather than 7th edition, because as anyone who's listened delved into the podcast will know, around 7th and 8th edition is when they really expanded on the units to make sure that everybody had an army needed to buy like the latest stuff, copy mark. I think we're going to see something in alignment with like 6th to 7th edition, size-wise of armies. But I think they're really, really going to use Horus Heresy as a god, gauge, sorry, gauge, a gauge to like ascertain to what malleability exists in a fan base. Like how much can we change while still retaining the same formula and doing slight tweaks, like Chris and Nicholas said. You can do small additions and alterations, but simultaneously you want people to like have that old school feeling of it. There's a reason we had new Coke and classic Coke. They're going to have like an alteration of it, but they're still going to be the same thing, but in a different place. So I think there's going to be a new game system, but enough familiarity that people can look at it and go like, yeah, no, this is the fancy I played when I was younger. Yeah, definitely. That, that's all I had to say. Sorry if I've weird too far on point there, guys. Oh, no, that's, uh, that's uh, pretty much on the point, I'd say. And I say also, I really hope it's uh, a new edition that will be a really good game system that will make for good games and... A, re, a re, uh, revitalization of a community that has been uh, revitalized a bit, especially during the pandemic when the people were oh, yeah. furloughed and just, oh, maybe I should uh, check this bo- old box in the attic and see what's uh, in it. I haven't looked in this in 20 years, but yeah. Uh, I would also like to see some unexplored armies and themes because then I can delude myself into buying an entirely new army by just justifying it. Well, you mm-hmm. know, I've never had like, I guess, Bretonia or Araby before. I've never had an Indo Cafe army. Like, I can't, I can't just well, buy so it. We've seen, that we've seen that uh, in the design sketches for Cafe and others. Yeah. And I'm in just, the Kislev. I'm just waiting to buy like an entire Kislev infantry army. <laughs> They're only going to release uh, the polar bears with uh, ice slaves. <laughs> Your favorite unit. Oh, my God. Like, so the, like uh, strange, strange Dragon Lady number two. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to see what they are doing yeah. with the game. I, I think we can all say we're curious. From yeah. what they've done with the other game system, we're curious and confidently curious that it's going to be interesting, if nothing else. And bonus, even if you don't want a new edition, because I know some people will keep playing older editions, but... Uh, there might just be a load of new lovely fig- figures and miniatures that you can uh, slot into your army as is. Yeah. And if there's anything we know about their community is that we have some amazing hobbyists that will be able to convert, alter, and adapt it to whatever they want to play. And I do not mean myself. I mean the rest of y'all. You play down your ability too much, you know that. 
I mean, when I'm surrounded by you guys, it's not really downplaying. It's just looking at stark truth of day in face. But yeah, I mean, we'll all have fun. Yeah. At the yeah, end of the day, uh, that's what it's about, right? To paint, play, and have fun with one another. That's what we do to hobby. It should be relaxing and fun. When did they? <clears throat> when did they announce the world? 2019. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Before Age of Darkness 2.0, mind you. Yeah. Well, that was that's already like. Yeah, but they game. have been they have been working on uh, Age of Darkness 2.0 since 2019. So I think oh, yeah. a year or two more, and we might have the old world. Hopefully. When do you guys think we're going to see like proper leaks and sketches? Later this year or next year? If we go by the leaks of Age of Darkness, uh, well, when they pretty much leaked the entire box. Yeah, the week was before. Was it like two years ago? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well, that was not a proper leak. Like when they actually announced it and when it dropped, it was like a month and a half, two months? I don't know. Yeah. Here, have this. Try to find, uh, find the money in your budget to buy this random box that we're just going to release. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, um, I'm not just like sitting and waiting, like, oh, I can't wait for the game to come out. Like, I play games in between. Like, I'm building a new army now to play this game that I really like. And I don't get people saying like, oh yeah, I can't wait till the game comes out so I can start playing. And well, we can start playing right now. Like, there, yeah, that was the same out. with like Age of Darkness, right? Because people were like, oh, I want to start a new army, but I don't know if this army is going to be good. Like, that's the liberating freedom being shit that rolling dice. My games are usually bad, but I always have fun. Yeah, and you might also have two years until the game is released. Yeah, that's two years of game gaming in a older game system. And yeah. the fact is, as uh, it seems that people seem to forget this on the internet sometimes, but just because a new box is released with a new uh, rulebook doesn't mean that the old rulebooks are just vanish from your shelves, burn in your bookcase. You can still play an old edition if you want to. As proven by us in this very podcast. Exactly. And also, further proven is that like, when we started this podcast, we quickly found out there are very, uh, very alive, vibrant, and existing Warhammer fantasy scene in Sweden. And some of them listened to our podcast and went like, yeah, I'll give 6th edition a try. Some people stayed, some people moved on, but like, just playing the old rule system means that a lot of people are going to get involved as well. Kind of yeah. a blessing that the fantasy died that you could start playing older editions. Yeah. Start playing fantasy because it's uh, it sixth edition because it's it's way harder to uh, like to move back if like 90 95% of the the community will play like the current edition because oh, yeah. those are the rules. Uh, like I would love to play older 40k but it's way harder to like get something going for that. Actually, I mean with 9th edition, regardless of what you think of 8th edition, 9th edition, Warhammer 40k, now that that's out, we have people around Stockholm who are like, hey, I really want to play like 5th edition or 7th edition because it's so strangely different from 8th edition. And we're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I never really stopped playing 7th or 5th edition, so sure. that's We're going to play our Bad Up Wars entirely in 5th edition, for example. Nice. I also find it very strange to meet people that like started playing in the like the, the current 40k system yeah. with the two hit and stuff and like explaining to them like how weapon skill missile skill work. And like usually these are like people that are older than me as well. And like I, I grew up with this stuff, so I just know everyone's it older than you, Nicholas. <laughs> My well, kids are like... basically older than you. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's strange though. Yeah, yeah but you're right. I, I think it's like this weird thing that when 8th edition, 9th edition, you know, regardless of what you think about Game Workshop, they're really good at marketing it. A lot of people are like, yeah, I've been out of hobby a while. I'm going to give it a swing. So there we are. But then again, I can't really crap on people for not mastering rule system when, again, I just told a story whereupon I finished my army when Nicholas showed up and I like forgot the basic rules. 
<laughs> my job is basically knowing magic and the fear rule, and I need to check the, both of those like 15 times. I but have to be fair, two jobs. If you had a standing game every Thursday night or something like that, you would you would be able to remember the rules. But if you play like three times a year, it's fine to forget the rules. Yeah, I, I'm very dependent on like the rest of you guys being around, so I can just ask you. Like like when I played Battlefleet Gothic. 2 a.m. at night, and Jens was there to like hold my hand. We should do that as Scandis this year again, Nicholas. Bring your Battlefield Gothic stuff. Yeah, it's in the country this time. Yeah, it was last year too. No, I didn't have them with me. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm sleeping at a venue in like an air mattress, and we're gonna be drinking all night and playing Battlefield Gothic. So, like, be there. <laughs> right. And please help me with the rules. Yeah, but for, for Battlefield Gothic, you just take the rules from any ship of the line game and apply them to space. You have just, like, I have how many, like, turrets and they do what? All you need to know is that uh, you launch torpedoes and fight the fighter and bomber wings. That's all you do. And you have, like, a screening ship that uh, tanks all of the torpedoes from the enemy. And what kind of cruiser is this again? <laughs> what kind <laughs> of weapons does it have? This is a blue one. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Artunas asked, uh, what would be your favorite place to run a campaign besides the ones that were already covered? That is Lustra, Albion, Border Princess, or anything that had rules. I've got a fault. Here it comes. Arabian Nights, like Arabian I'd really like an Arabic campaign. Like it could and there be there we were uh, cut down by Disney for copyright infringement. <laughs> They, they can't possibly copyright. I didn't even sing it in the right tune. They can't copyright Arabian Nights. That book is 2,500 years old. Come at me, Disney, you cultural appropriating book. I think yeah. I got cut off. But yeah, no, I'd really like to see an Arabic campaign. Like, it, it doesn't have to be either analog to the Crusades, because I get maybe that, like, that's controversial. But like, border No, 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 that's uh, quite beyond controversial. That's just, uh, no. Problematic? Anything that uh, that uh, verges on on real life genocide is probably a bad idea, you know. I used to play a game called Jihad: The Reckoning, and then they changed the name <laughs> around 2001. And I swear to God, as it happened, none of us in the vampire community got what happened. And so I was like, well, you know, it's because of 9/11. And we're like, what does 9/11 have to do with vampires? Oh, yeah. And that's when they never did like the Arab Arabic range either. It never quite made it from War Master to Fantasy. Apparently, there 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 was this rumor at Games Workshop Main that they had an entire test print run of models ready, but during the like post 9/11 uh, Bush administration, they didn't really think it'd go over quite well. So they like put it on ice and then scrapped it. I I can't really speak to the authenticity of those rules, but the guy who worked at GW at that time said it was true, and I've no idea when to make it out. Taken care of by top men. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd really like to see an Araby. Like, it could be border princess. It could be like a skirmish war. There's a lot of rich history in the Middle East or like Araby or however they want to do it that doesn't have to do with white people, which I know is a surprise to everyone in Britain and France, I guess. And I guess the Dutch. And shit, you guys were all over the Middle East. Uh, I'd really like to see that because they don't talk a lot about Araby. How about you guys? What do you want to see? Yeah, Araby is cool because it's uh, like there's loads of stuff there, and it's close to a lot of stuff. Uh, like it's close to the empire and the dwarves and the orcs and the even the tomb kings and the lizard. Yeah. You can get there. There's a coast. It's, Are there dwarves in Araby? Yeah, no, but there's dwarves in the north of the Southlands, which is right, oh, right yeah. south of the north of Araby. Yeah, very far. Yeah, yeah, that's the border. That's border princess, though. 
Yeah, but I mean, they can go from Barakvar to Arabia, Arabia yeah, pretty easily. That's true. But there are those the dwarf holes where the one, uh, uh, the changeling from uh, the Dwarf of the Beard books came from. Karak Sorn, that's pretty far away. It's, uh, yeah, but it, the... it's a part of those holes in the Southlands that is quite. Relatively. I, I assume that some dwarves have trade with Arabi. They have trade with everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, Barakvar definitely has trade with Arabi. Yeah, and there are high elf. Uh, Islands probably outside it just pops up whenever they need to plot ways. Yeah, and I mean they do have magic, so I assume that they're like some sneering high elves just coming in talking shit about their magic and then leaving. That's like the modus operandi of every high elf ever. I see you've got some magic. Just just a lore keeper comes in and just with the sticks of no, no. (laughs) My lord, the high elf ambassador is here and he comes in like your magic is shit and you should feel bad. And he just leaves. I bet, the, yeah. I bet like dark elves don't even, even have to go there to raid. They'll just like trade slaves. <laughs> yeah, I think they could make a good setting if they actually applied it uh, properly. But they won't, right? Because it's too culturally sensitive, don't you think? It's easy to get wrong, but. But just, um, just model it off the Berber culture instead that we call yeah or they could take like you know the arabian golden age yeah they could just not be racist <laughs> just don't mention muhammad you're good D- don't don't mention the pygmy sculpts and you're good when you tell me they they just don't have to be racist insert doubting oh foreface and all of a sudden there was l- like a large gap in the episode <laughs> you you guys know exactly what i'm talking about yeah they're horrible yeah. Really well, I mean, okay, like real talk, and I'm gonna well, take the lead on this with somebody like answers from that part. What will your plot yeah. be though? Because that's like the, the whole thing to make it fly in Arabic. Yeah. Uh, I would say like border prince war between Arabi rulers and like desolate nobles, and you like hire in a war bands or smaller armies to fight proxy wars for you between the states. And you could get like yeah. Arabi mercenaries or Arabi like royal units, and they're a bit more expensive and well armored. We could have like these Bretonian free knights coming over. We could have like emperor mercen- empire mercenaries are everywhere, or, like dwarf trade teams, something like that. Cool. Be because cool like, tell, like uh, would be cool, a uh, cool Mordheim setting as well. Yeah, so because like, you yeah, know there are a bunch gangs. of abandoned. Yeah, and like, there are abandoned towns, and of course, like the scary desert abandoned town is gonna have like a gin in it or a fritti or something. So you have to get out before the sun sets. And there could be Warpstone too, because we know that the Skaven made it as far as, as Cafe or Nippon, and they sure as Shucks made it to Araby as well. So, like, everybody could be in there. Yeah, it's a setting that's. Because I was thinking Cafe is also a good setting for games, but that would be really hard to uh, include all of the factions in. Yeah. yeah. Because why, were the, why are they there? Why are, like, peasants from the Empire right across the world? Unless they have declared war on the cafe to for the right to trade opium with them. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, because I'm not <laughs> laughing at you. It's just like then we're back to racism. Why would yeah. there be white people in cafe? Hey, we're here to conquer it. Oh yeah, that's why they're there. Yeah, or like opium wars or something or something like that. It's a harder setting to justify. And the thing is, I mean. Again, maybe I'm varying too close to the historical analogs here, but there's a lot of history in the Middle East that has to do with like a golden age of huge empires making tremendous scientific advantages. They could just like, like you said, it oh, doesn't yeah. have to be like the Ottoman Empire or the Arabic Empire or like 
even the, the Reconquista's empire. It could just be something that has to do with places out in the Middle East. And it's just like, it's a place that's exotic and magic and cool and not exotified. Because, you know, that's something you come up with regardless. Even if you're playing like Dungeons and Dragons in the Far East, it's very easy to like simplify and exotify it. Just make it fun. Make it fun and not offensive. Yeah. Now that's all I got to say about that. Cool place. What about you, Nicholas? Where, do you, where would you like to be? I mean, I think you convinced me, man. Arabia is really cool. Like that's that's why Albion is so good as well because it's like the geographical proximity, like and that there's no like main faction there, and it's the same with Arabi. Yeah. Uh, like the, the, there are people there and stuff is going on, but it's not like oh let's have it in Bretonia. Like that would be a bit fucked up because then it would have to revolve around the players playing Bretonia. Yeah. If it's on neutral ground, it's a lot easier to write a story that fits everyone. Yeah, that was one of the bigger problems with uh, the Nemesis Crown campaign. When it pretty much, oh, why are all of these uh, factions here? Pretty much, oh, well, the other ones are here. Why shouldn't we be here? Yeah. Or <laughs> I know, I know that the elves went here, so I want to go here as well. That's isn't just, it like the classic question: what, Why are the lizardmen fighting the tomb kings in the in the forest of the empire? Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with uh, the Nemesis Chrono, that style campaign. It is finding the justification for having all of the factions in there. Yeah, that's also what's cool about Mordheim. They're like, these are the factions over here. You can't play the other factions because it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, that's just uh, why you should, why, as you mentioned, with Mordheim, with all of the different uh, uh, changes to Mordheim, have it played in Arabia, or you could have it in the Border Princess, or pretty much any city in the uh, known world of the Warhammer. War just adapt uh, it from being a city ruined by a Warpstone Comet to anything else. That being said, I don't think it's going to be Arabia. <laughs> like, I really, I really want it to be, but I think culturally there are about a bunch of hesitations and like some disconcert and it's a very tricksy cultural issue to awaken i guess but it shouldn't be harder than a cafe i guess because china china just like italy uh, was not like historically unified for a very long time if that oh, statement doesn't make a lot of sense it's because like italy wasn't formally italy until like garibaldi which is like what 1890 or something like that we should have a an Arabic campaign yeah, I'm down. Like, uh, uh, you and Nicholas, Nicholas knows that I had a pretty far gone plan for making like a Warhammer Army Project uh, Arabi Army. I still have that list of models right here. A friend of like, mine actually made like a, a, an Arabi Army. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool and it's fun because the Warhammer Army Project list, which is based on the Warmaster Legion, like the Warmaster Sculpts, they had like Ifriti, they had Jinn. It was basically like cores of sheep infantry, elite heavy infantry, and like some monsters and a lot of crazy magic. Uh, what else do you need? Yeah, guys, sorry, I have to skedaddle. I can hear one of my children rousing in the other room. Apparently, I need Fair to be enough. involved with them. I don't know why. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, any of you looking to adopt, Nicholas? No, no. Unga föräldrar might need another participant. Also, yeah. this I am going. I want to buy something that costs twenty kroners. Why is the shipping up to two hundred and thirty kroners? For for your information, I'm just uh, looking at the super huge detail map of the warmer world. I'm just looking at Arabic Demikral. As we mentioned, it's. Uh, it's quite hard to do a setting where everyone can get involved, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, it totally depends on what kind of campaign or whatever you want to do. If you want to have, like, a, a linear attacker defender, then maybe you want to have it, like, in the, the home faction's territory. 
But if you want, you said like a totally free story. I think like Albion is really good, as I said, and Arab is really good. Or Saudi would be good, or Telia. Like places that are close but not occupied by a single faction. Yeah, but that's probably why they put campaigns in Albion or in the Border Princes, just because they're easy neutral territories where everyone has some kind of stake. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, we'll see how long this takes to edit. Yeah, that were the listener questions for this episode. I finished uh, basing this uh, our sorceress. She is now fully complete. Nice. Should uh, throw that one up when the episode was up. Yeah, I'll post some uh, crappy desktop picture of her. I think you should make sure to uh, have the focus just slightly to the left or right of her. (laughs) Just on on a paint bottle. Yeah, or uh, like just on the uh, pa- on the mat you used to used to have a, when you paint, or like Perfect. a cup or whatever that's next to the model. Guys, I had a lot of fun. I hope everyone else had fun. Uh, keep strong. I wonder how much of me you're gonna cut out. All right, I'm taking off. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. This is it for me as well. Good night.